0: Welcome to another edition of Shed Chats. Today, I'm just speaking with Steve Bennett, Head of Charter Hall's Direct Property Business. And our topic today is Industrial Strength. Why invest in industrial assets? Steve, welcome. Why would an SMSF trustee invest in funds focused on industrial property rather than say, CBD offices?
1: I would pose the question, it doesn't need to be one or the other. What we'd encourage people to do is to consider industrial property That gives you the diversification benefits across the different property sectors. And it also allows investors uh, to tap into the big e-commerce trend, which is really reshaping the property landscape as well as a retailing landscape. And I can tell you industrial property or logistics assets are one of the key beneficiaries of the e-commerce trend, which is only forecast to grow further from here.
0: Is industrial a bit of a misnomer these days? Should it be? Uh, or should those assets be called logistic assets or uh, the logistic sector?
1: Look, that's something we have debated internally. Um, at Charterhall, we continue to call it the industrial business, and that's because it does encompass other users. But it is a fair point because many of the new state-of-the-art uh, industrial developments which we're doing, um, the recent purchases, are heavily focused on e-commerce users' third-party logistics So they're just companies that are shipping the goods, so the back end of the e-commerce. And what you've seen in in Australia is a well-publicised decline of the manufacturing space. So I think many investors would be very surprised on the positive side um, if they were to go through what a modern-day logistics or industrial property actually looks and feels like.
0: From an investor's point of view, how do the returns from industrial or logistics compare to, say, returns from office funds? You manage both, obviously.
1: At Charter Oil, we only invest in institutional grade. So that's the market I'll talk Which about. Which means? The, the highest quality property, the assets that tenants want to be in throughout different investment cycles, the kind of assets that when you go to sell them, there's a ready and deep uh, pool of buyers for. So if you assume we're talking about institutional quality properties, one of the key differences between industrial and office is that the office property sector can be more cyclical. So it tends to be more uh, influenced by the economic cycle, um, the ups and downs, as well as obviously supply and demand. With industrial, you also uh, typically can get longer lease terms, um, but the fixed rental increases in the industrial space aren't necessarily as high as what you get in the office space. And the third difference would be historically the income component for an industrial investment. It typically makes up a larger share of the total return than it does for the office sector, where you may have a greater proportion of capital growth in the office sector. Because of the long term uh, leases in place for industrial, uh, the income component's naturally a bigger contributor.
0: Well, I noticed some of your assets in the industrial portfolio have up to 20 years lease, which is particularly long, is not it?
1: Uh, that is, and that's um, picking up some of the trends. We at Charter Hall developed Woolworths uh, new distribution centre down in Dandenong. Uh, which is to the east of the Melbourne market. And because of the significant capital investment that Woolworths were putting into that, uh, because of how central it was to their distribution framework, Woolworths, in that case, signed a 20-year lease with us. So that's terrific for Woolworths. They get security... You'd rarely ever
0: get that in an office, would you?
1: No, look... at you can get it but it is much harder. Um, We have done some office developments uh, which benefited from 12 and 15 year leases so it is definitely possible but yeah look that's one of the skills at Hall we we focus on long-term leases uh, because we like the security of income that gives to the investors.
0: Well let's talk specifics about the industrial offer that you have available to investors at the moment it's called DIFF4, Direct Industrial Fund 4. What are the properties in that fund and how many have you got?
1: Well, Diff 4 follows a very successful series of industrial funds. Um, We weren't too creative in the naming of the product, it being the fourth investment vehicle in that series. And what Diff 4 comprises of um, at the moment, and this portfolio is continuing to grow and diversify, is two assets located in Preston's, which is a great industrial market, one where we believe will continue to provide
0: rental growth. That's in the west of Sydney.
1: Yeah, so it's um, just southwest of the Liverpool We have an asset in Adelaide, which has a very long term lease to Ingham's uh, manufacturing plant there. We have some- Food processing. Food processing. Mm -hmm. And we have a long leased asset um, over in WA and also an investment into one of our large industrial partnerships. So what you get when you come into this vehicle is not uh, any single asset or single tenant exposure and that fund is around $280 million of assets now. And over the next 12 months, we expect it will grow um, to become $350 million and continue to grow from there.
0: What sort of return should an investor expect if they invested in the near, very near, near future?
1: Look, we won't forecast capital returns, but what I can say is the current distribution component of the return is 6.2%. And what we do is we pay that to investors on a regular basis. So that 6.2% is broken down and paid to investors each quarter. So that suits people that are on a pension or need some uh, regular steady income streams to grow it, to maintain their lifestyle and traditionally unlisted property, as I mentioned earlier, tends to deliver 9 to 10% total returns and if we would achieve that, that would be a great outcome for investors.
0: And if somebody wants to access uh, DIF4 now, uh, listening to this podcast, what's, what's their course of action? The first thing
1: I'd say is please make sure you read the product disclosure statement Um, Everything I'm saying here today isn't financial advice. We're not aware of your personal investment circumstances. But read the financial um, disclosures in there. it will also talk about the risks. Or directly off the web. Directly off our website. Mm -hmm. And if you have any other questions, please don't be afraid to contact a financial advisor or your other professional advisor.
0: Thanks indeed, Steve. Thank you very much, Peter.